0: I'm highly convicted that every sermon needs to end with an opportunity for somebody to have the opportunity to come to know Jesus. And so every sermon I preach, no matter what I preached on, I'm going to weave it back to the gospel and share the gospel with them each and every time. Then I'm a firm believer that we ought to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel.
1: Welcome to the Preaching Donkey podcast, a weekly show where we explore how to preach life-changing messages. I'm your host, Lane Sebring, and I'm so excited to bring you inspiring and helpful conversations with amazing pastors and church leaders, all designed to help you take your preaching and leadership to the next level. And now, let's dive right in. Well, hello there. Welcome to episode two of the Preaching Donkey podcast. We have an awesome show in the works for you today. I have an awesome guest. His name is Brian Mills. You just heard him a minute ago. He is the pastor at Trinity Church in Yukon, Oklahoma. We'll talk more about him in a second. Amazing interview with him. Uh, If you're just joining us here in the podcast, this is the Preaching Donkey podcast. Podcast. There is only one Preaching Donkey podcast and it's this one. So I'm glad you found your way to us. This is episode two. If you're listening, then welcome. Welcome. If you're listening on Apple podcast, leave a review, leave a five star rating. It really helps for this episode to be shared more widely. It helps for us to get into the algorithmic system and for other pastors to find us, so that would be awesome. And if you're getting value out of this, share with a friend, leave a review, that'd be great. If you're listening on one of the several other podcast platforms, leave a review as well, it's so awesome to have you. And if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for being here, leave a comment, give this video a like, that would be great. Hope everybody's doing well today. I'm very excited about this podcast. We've got some incredible interviews coming. I've recorded a few of these in advance, just to make sure that I'm you know, cranking them out on time. But every Thursday, you can count on a new episode dropping, and this is episode two, so it's gonna be an amazing day. Hope everybody's doing well. I wanna just mention a couple things to you. One is that I have, as always, I have something for you. Uh, many of you have this. Many of you have told me how much it has benefited you, but if you haven't got it yet, you can get my 21-day guide to creating killer sermons, over at preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. It's a great compliment to these podcasts. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching the YouTube videos, and you wanna go deeper, you wanna go to the next level, it's a wonderful way to do that. Because it puts on paper a lot of the things that I talk about in my videos and gives you a step-by-step guide to make sure that you have everything you need to kind of take your preaching to the next level. And it's simple, There's it's, it's not like earth-shattering, But what it does is it gives you a really helpful proven process. So whether you are a novice to preaching or you've been preaching for a while and you just want to see kind of another way of thinking about it, definitely check it out. It's preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days and that can be yours. I want to read something to you. This is a comment that came through on YouTube on a video that I put out called How to Keep People Engaged When You Preach. So it's a video that you can check out on the YouTube channel. It's just just about kind of the challenges that we face as preachers when it comes to keeping people on the the sermon, keeping people attentive, keeping their attention, keeping their interest. So it gave some challenges that we face, and then it gave some ways to engage people and make sure that from start to finish, they are staying on board with you. And I got this... Comment from Jake Sully. He said, thank you for your regular content. Always an encouragement for my weekly sermon preparation. Love that. So glad to hear that, Jake. That's actually why we do this. I mean, that's why we do Preaching Donkey is because I know that week after week after week, you're sitting down to prepare a message and every sermon is a new animal. Every sermon is a new opportunity to either do really well or mess it up and it can be very stressful. So the fact that these videos are finding you and you're finding these videos on a weekly basis and they're helping, that's awesome. He said this, he went on to say, keeping people engaged is one of the most important things for preachers. So many well-thought-out sermons go down the drain because the preacher's presentation is just boring. You can have the greatest content in the world, which the gospel is, by the way, but if your presentation isn't engaging people, well, if your presentation isn't engaging, people will tune you out and think about other stuff. Yes, absolutely. That's completely and totally correct. We can have, this is what I talk about in that video and I've talked about it in my books as well, that you can have the most amazing content. And by the way, everything begins with content. Content is king. If you don't have good content, if you haven't studied the text well, if you haven't prepared a great outline, which we're gonna talk about in this interview, Brian Mills is gonna go into how he thinks about outlining. It's really, really good. You're gonna wanna stick around for that. But if you don't have those pieces in place, then it doesn't matter how well you deliver it, people aren't gonna benefit from it. But the same is true on the opposite. If you have incredible content and it's laced with gospel truth and it takes people on an amazing journey but you don't know how to deliver it you don't know how to keep people engaged you haven't really thought through the dynamics of your audience and what keeps them interested then it could come across as dull And it could lead to disengagement from your listeners, which you don't want. So I appreciate that, Jake. Very glad to know that the videos are helping in the way that they are. That's why we do this. So thanks so much. And by the way, if if you are just kind of stumbling onto this podcast, welcome. Glad to have you. If you go to YouTube, you're going to find, at the time of this recording, about 100 videos on preaching so definitely go check out that if you're just looking for content on how to prepare sermons, how to deliver sermons, how to lead better, how to preach better. It's all there. So can't wait to see uh, what comes from that. Well, I-, I wanted to just mention one other thing that I saw. I always like to kind of bring in something that's that, that I find interesting in the church world, leadership-wise, news-wise. And there was this article on churchleaders.com, came out Back in October, October 29th, a couple weeks ago. And it says, The blessing of a low tech church in a high tech pandemic. Pastoral, and this is written by Carl Vaders. And I I like the perspective that he brings on this because so much of what we've done over this, this pandemic in all of our churches has been. Live streaming, uh, getting people together on Zoom, all these kind of things that are, are very great and very good, and all of us should be doing those things, but they're all high-tech solutions. So he just brings out a set of low-tech solutions <laughs> because he asked the question, what would it look like had this pandemic happened 20 years ago? How would we have handled it? And he you can read the article, you can find it at churchleaders.com if you just look up the blessings of a low-tech church and a high-tech pandemic. But I just want to quickly list some of the things that he says. The phone call is one of them. Just picking up the phone and calling people. This is something we did at my church where we had our team. We split everything up and we we just called people a couple, two or three weeks into this. Good old-fashioned, pick up the phone, dial a number, voice on the other side. And a lot of times people don't answer <laughs> because people are uncomfortable with a phone call. But when you do get through to someone and they answer and they realize that you took the time as the pastor or as one of the pastors or as a staff member at the church to actually call them and say, hey, how's everything going? How, how's your family? How are you getting through this? Do you need anything? It could be huge. The drop by, right? Dropping by their house. Now, th- this, this applies mostly to the older people and infirm, most people, um, if you're going to drop by, most people want a little bit of warning. <laughs> I mean, I have four kids. I do not want somebody just dropping by because the house is probably not clean most of the time, at least not like show ready <laughs> for people to walk in the door. So we need about 15 minutes to pick up the toys, shut some doors, and, and let you in. So dropping by is not really going to go well at my house. But for older people, that generation, they, they do like it. And especially if you just kind of give a quick call, say, hey, can I come by? See how things are going. He says the family Bible study, doing Bible studies in your house, the store run, or the doctor visit, helping people out with those kind of things, or just sending a greeting card. I think that's really cool. He gives some other ideas, but you know, just thinking about as we get into this, and and this, who knows how long this is going to last? Who knows when there's going to be a little bit of going back to whatever normal looks like? Nobody knows. But in the meantime, what we can do is we can continually think about, in addition to all of the things that we do as churches to minister to people in a high tech way, let's not forget what it looks like to minister to people in a quote unquote low tech way, but a high touch, highly personal way. So, I just wanted to share that with you. All right, let's let's get into the interview now. As I mentioned, Brian Mills is a really interesting guy because this is his first time as a lead pastor of a church, but he's had a pretty incredible ministry up to this point. He's a very highly sought after speaker. He's the author of three books and he's grown several large ministries at some really well-known large churches across the country. So it's very interesting when he went from that to walking into a church that's was much smaller, although I'm fairly confident it's going to grow, but much smaller than what he was used to working in. He went in as the lead pastor, and he's done an incredible thing there. Just full disclosure, he's the pastor at a church that is located about six or seven miles from where I grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up in a little town, a little suburb of Oklahoma City called Mustang, and he's in a suburb of Oklahoma City called Yukon, And they're pretty much right next to each other. So it's kind of cool to talk to him. I actually have a good friend that works at his church. And he stepped into this church a year and a half ago. And the changes, what he's done, it's been an incredible thing to watch from a distance. So it was really cool to sit down with Brian and kind of get inside his head. In this episode, in this interview, he's going to share his conviction to make sure to share the gospel in every sermon. We're going to talk about kind of how he does that. He's going to share how he takes every sermon kind of back around to the gospel. He's going to talk about how to approach announcements in a very interesting, creative way. You're going to definitely want to see that. And then he's also going to talk about the pace of their work as a staff and what they prioritize. And that part of the conversation is really interesting to me because that's a huge Huge priority for me to get right in life. So, I want you to be ready. I want you to have your notepad out, okay? Uh, Whether it's Evernote or your notes app on your phone, or you're going to write stuff down because you're going to want to take notes. This is an amazing interview. So, without any further delay, I'll see you on the other side of the interview with Brian Mills. Brian Mills, so awesome to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, honored to be a part of this. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, so many of our listeners um, know about you. I, I've kind of introduced who you are. Some of them may know about you already, but could you just take us back and tell us your journey of how you got in the ministry and got to where you are today as the pastor at Trinity?
0: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pretty crazy journey along the way. Uh, I started in student ministry days, so I didn't start being a senior pastor. Matter of fact, I was the one that never thought I'd be a senior pastor. I kind of ran from that thought and that process, but from the time God called me into ministry when I was a junior in high school, I loved doing student ministry. The difference about me was I I never, I grew up in just a pretty basic, good old Baptist church, like the old school Baptist, and I never knew of anything much larger than that, and and so along the way, I I got opportunities to step into some pretty large churches and to begin to be associate uh, youth pastor, and I was started out as an intern and then at uh First Baptist Springdale is what it was called back in the day. It's now called Cross Church in Northwest Arkansas. It's where I kind of got my start in youth ministry and then moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to help plant a church there with a guy named Alex. And he and I uh he was a senior pastor, I was a youth pastor and started that church and saw God move in a big way and Then God kind of moved me a little bit, and we ended up down at Second Baptist Houston, Texas, and I oversaw the student ministry there for uh, a period of time on their west campus and then helped somewhat create a new methodology on all their campuses. And that was a lot of fun. That's where I was introduced to leadership. That's where I was introduced to uh, some really big vision kind of ministry, and it was quite the experience, and through the midst of that journey, God did something a little bit crazy and somewhat risky for me, and we stepped out of that student ministry, went, led a student ministry in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, on the north side, a place called Long Hollow Baptist Church. Had a lot of fun with it, man. It was, it was a youth ministry at the time running about 600 uh, kids, so it was a big old youth ministry. And then uh, then we watched it grow to a little over 1,200 teenagers, and literally seeing three to 400 teenagers saved man I, I almost every year we we're seeing three to four hundred teenagers baptized and it was just one of those you got to be a part of it right like it's like I pull back now and think wow like the Lord allowed me to be a part of this really cool movement um and it was so much more than than my leadership or that God placed us there but uh what God was doing there was so extraordinary and so unique and So, I really started learning a lot of church there. That's where I started learning uh, how to pastor a church in a big, big way. Uh, One of my hero pastors was a pastor there, a guy named David Landreth. And Pastor David was an amazing man and taught me a lot about pastoring a church. And and so, kind of through the journey, he, he had a real rare form of cancer and ended up passing away. And through that journey, we just felt like God told us to go pastor a church. And so, we. A guy by the name of Ronnie Floyd, Dr. Floyd, called me and said, hey, why don't you come back to Cross Church? And why don't you be here and let me help equip and develop you so you can go be a senior pastor? So we went back with him for the past four years. And I was a college pastor there. So I've done youth ministry. I've done college ministry. And uh, I also served on his teaching team and his leadership team. and, And through that journey, man, God put on our heart this crazy adventure on the west side of Oklahoma City, a place we never thought we'd move to because all I knew about Oklahoma City was tornadoes came to it (laughs) 24-7. And I I didn't want to be taken out by a tornado, man. And so, but that's where the Lord led us and to a smaller church on the west side. A little over a year, about a year and five months ago, we came and had a couple hundred people in the church at the time. And man, God is just God's moved in a unique way and uh, we're really humbled to be a part of what God's doing so long journey along that way I've done a bunch of speaking and writing books and those kind of things which for a good old redneck from Arkansas you know we all know it's a miracle and so <laughs> pretty fun journey man we're really grateful that the Lord has allowed me to get to the point I'm at today and to lead and pastor the church I'm pastoring today is extraordinary and can't wait to see what God does in the future of it.
1: Wow. That's awesome. That, that's, that's really, uh, an amazing journey. When I think about, you know, you've, you've had the opportunity to work in some pretty amazing churches. I mean, yeah. Second Baptist Long Hollow, um, these are, these are large churches. And, but it's interesting that you talked about the mentor having the most impact, um, yeah. Pastor David. Uh, Can you talk about what are some of the things that he did with you? And then Ronnie at Cross Church, you said he kind of mentored you as well. What are some things that they did for you that maybe pastors could do for the people in their lives that are aspiring? That's a great
0: question. Um, I'll walk through three big ones in my life. So who I would call my pastor, my senior pastor for me today, is Ronnie Floyd. Uh, Pastor Floyd believed in me when nobody... Cared, knew who I was. I mean, I was cleaning toilets as an intern, right? And he really began to develop me. Uh, he taught me the significance of growing and, and learning to be a leader. Uh, the power of reading. Uh, he taught me the power of my personal time with the Lord. And I think if any pastor could invest in someone teaching them the importance of their personal time with God each and every day. And Ronnie Floyd's one of the most, if not the most disciplined man I've ever been around. So he really taught me that discipline. Ed Young Sr. Uh, really invested into me in the idea of visionary leadership. I've just never seen a guy more of a visionary leader than Dr. Ed Young Sr. I mean, he's just, he, when he walks in a room, it, it's wow. You just pause and start writing. Uh, <laughs> just a phenomenal man of God. And then I, I went and worked for David Landreth, who he would say he was just an old country preacher, right? Um, that happened to grow a church to eight to 9,000. <laughs> and uh, David taught me the value of humble pastoral leadership. Mm. And David uh, taught me the importance of parking in the very back of the parking lot. Don't park in the front. Don't accept no pastor parking you park further than anybody else is going to park because you want to leave space for all your people. And that's where leaders need to be and they need to be parking in the back. Um, And so to today, I challenged my staff today. We got a gravel parking lot at our church. I'm like, y'all parking it. We're not going to take one spot for somebody that might need to come to church. And we don't want somebody to drive off our property because a parking spot was taken by one of our pastors. And David taught me those things. David taught me, the power of standing in the lobby um, and loving on people in the lobby. I remember one time he said, Brian, anytime there's a challenge in the church, and, you know, not that churches have challenges, right? <laughs> not that churches have complainers. No, nope. But if somebody listening actually has one, you know, I know it'd be rare in every church, but if you actually have one and there's a somewhat of a disagreement in the midst of the church, David would say this, stand in the lobby this Sunday. Make yourself very, very present because a leader that stands in the middle of the fire is going to get an opportunity to lead people through the fire. And, uh, and I, I've grabbed a hold of that all the way from the point when Ronnie Floyd taught me one time. He said, whenever you walk on Sunday morning, walk slow through Sunday morning. Hmm. And that way you can do stand up meetings all Sunday morning so that they're not saying, can I meet with you in your office? Instead of saying yes to that, just say, I can meet with you right now. And it'll save you hours of your week. Um, And so I really watched David Landry live some of that out and some of these principles I learned. He lived out in a a pretty big way. Um, And so I think if we can take that humble leadership and not take the senior pastor role to be, oh, I'm the senior pastor. People look at me as this uh, spiritual authority or people hold me high because I'm the pastor of their church if we really approach each day with more of a humble mindset and spirit, our staff's going to appreciate it way more. Uh, We're going to give credit where credit is due. We're not going to claim it all for ourselves just to make ourselves look good. Uh, We're going to give credit where credit is due. And even through the midst of it, what we're going to do is we're going to disciple others because they're watching. And there's a young Brian Mills out there watching you and the way you pastor. And he's writing down things right now on what should he do one day when he goes and pastors and is he going to be successful based on what he wrote down on how he watched the way you pastored? Hmm. And I would hope if somebody's writing down, whoever that young Brian Mills is in my life, I probably don't even know their name, but if they're writing things down right now by just watching the way I pastor, I pray one day they will be a very successful pastor or, at least do some things right, right? Maybe I'm teaching them everything not to do right, but maybe do some things right uh, because they watched the way I pastored because I pastored according to the word of God and, and did it in a humble, yet confident way. And so those are a few things just that my mind goes to, that those guys, I mean, they're all, those, those guys are heroes of mine. And, uh, and so I, I really capitalize a lot on what they did and, and implemented into my life today as a pastor.
1: Well, wow, I, I love that so much, and it's interesting because early on you said that you you learned how to you learned at these churches how to pastor in a big way, and I think sometimes we think that what you learned are going to be these massive big principles and best practices and how tos and systems, and I'm sure you learned all that, but sure. where you went when I asked you what the biggest impact was, it was humble leadership. I find yeah. that very very insightful.
0: Well, all three of those guys were, I mean, they're, they're confident leaders, right? All three of them are very confident leaders, but they're all really humble. Um, I remember my uh, pastor, Ronnie Floyd, who's now the uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, the CEO of the Southern Baptist Convention, whatever you want to call that area, right? Um, he's in charge of all of that. And when he left uh, Cross Church after 30 years, I, I got the privilege to be in the room uh, with a group of just a couple hundred people, it was his last kind of meeting with a group of people saying bye to, and they were the people closest to Pastor Floyd. and And during that time, he just on the fly, in the moment, randomly said, "I, I want to do something that, you know, I, I this is just going to take a moment, but if y'all, I need this moment with with you." And he went table to table, and he touched each couple. And he said a blessing over each couple, talked about how he met each couple, and talked about what each couple meant to him. Now, I'm talking there's a couple hundred people in the room. I was terrified he would forget a name, right? I'm like trying to help my pastor out, like, hey, whispering names. Of, and But he, he loves people, and he loved to pastor people. And uh, he just kept the perspective right. Uh, David Landreth, uh, Ed Young Seniors, perspective was just, perspective was always heaven. It wasn't on themselves. And it wasn't on their success, and it wasn't on some fame they gained from being a, a senior pastor of a really large church. That they, they just kept their eyes on Jesus. And uh, so if I can go anywhere in my life, I, I just want to keep my eyes on Jesus and wake up every morning and give it to the Lord. Uh, which is what Ronnie taught me. Pastor Floyd taught me from the very beginning: wake up every morning, give it to God, and then you're going to live a lot more like God because you spent time with God that morning. So, so yeah, it's a you know that's that's a big part of. Now I can talk systems and all that stuff too. I mean I can sure. I can talk yeah. process and procedure and systems, but man, what a boring conversation! And what good are systems without the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Sure. What good are systems without the anointing of God? And you don't get the anointing of God by just showing up, creating a good system. Um, yeah,
1: I, yeah, and I think uh, I think a lot of churches see a system, uh, try to repeat it, and th- they have it absent the, the type of leadership you're talking about. Yeah. The system fails, and they feel like, well, it didn't work. And really what didn't work is they weren't following the Holy Spirit. They don't yeah. have the exact same personality and makeup. The church is different. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing. I want to, I want to move to preaching because obviously a large part of what you do is, is you're the primary preaching pastor at your church as the senior pastor. And I know you do a lot of speaking as well. So you have a lot of experience preaching and teaching. So what is your process? And you know, when it comes to outlining prep, what are some things that you've discovered over the years that make it more streamlined, effective, that would help
0: Our listeners yeah so a few things I do the beginning Uh, let me just say one more time Uh, I mean every day I spend it with the Lord my my first hour of my day I give to the Lord Uh, that leads into my that's not my sermon prep but it leads into my sermon prep because I'm spiritually prepared another thing I do long before I write a sermon is I get to know the people that I'm preaching the sermon to so I don't just write a great sermon but I, I write a sermon based on the people I know. And so I get out of my office as much as I'm in my office and I consider that sermon prep. Uh, sermon prep for me are the lunches I have with our people when I'm walking in. I, uh, uh, for instance, this past week, I went into the fire department and took them Chick-fil-A, right? Uh, just to, you get to know people. I see inside the fire department, see what the people are like in there and connect, and I don't have to stay but half a second and just love on people. Well, it lets me know my community. It lets me know the workforce in my community. Well, that's the audience I'm preaching to. And if I don't know my audience, then I'm not going to be an effective communicator because I might communicate uh, in a different direction than than the direction they're living. And uh, John Maxwell always said he used to walk to a stage and he would stand on that stage and picture the stage and picture the people and talk to people around before he ever, before he ever delivered his leadership talk, because he wanted to know who he was speaking to. So I try to implement that in my life. Uh, and then third, I would say I obviously always start with the Bible. I don't start with a sermon topic. I don't start with uh, an idea. I start with the Word of God and where the Lord wants me to take me through Scripture. Uh, I love preaching through books of the Bible, characters of the Bible. Uh, I love doing, uh, I call them collections or series, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, I I love preaching through a period of time, me personally. It lets me streamline and build on. It's like a good Netflix episode, hopefully. And uh, so that even if you miss an episode, you can catch up real quick. But we're, we're, we're building onto something. Me personally, I really love to do that. And I love to do it just systematically through the word of God and just going through scripture. Um, And so that's really fun for me, but I always start with the Bible and I build my outline through the text. I don't try to make uh, my theme fit the text. Um, I I live in the text and whatever the text says is what I'm going to preach. And I'm just going to unpack it for that day. Uh, I'm not against topical preaching where you have lots of different texts along the way. So I'm not one of these that are like, well, if you don't do it this way, you're, you're wrong. I, that's just not me, and you can criticize me for it, but that, that's not me. Um, but I do always live in the Word, and then from that, I create an outline. And so my outline is going to look like I'll see the introduction. Um, and in the, even in the midst of the introduction, I love to preach the announcements. Uh, we don't give announcements at our church. We preach announcements at our church. And there will be times the band to be behind me and we'll just get lost in the announcements for a moment. And I'll start a shouting and having a good time. And it's because God can use, hopefully you're not just making announcements to make announcements. They, they have a purpose and a vision and that a vision is going to align with the vision God's given the church, which should align with where you're preaching. And, uh, and so I, I start with uh, almost every sermon in, in the pulpit every Sunday morning with the opening, I start with announcements, and I'll preach announcements, which will lead into the opening of the sermon, which always starts with the text. I, I'm not personally one that does a huge opening illustrations uh, full of stories to build up to the anticipation of the text. I kind of jump right in it, uh, and, and let me be honest here up front. I jump right in it partly because we don't have time. Uh, when you start doing multiple services and things, you, you don't have time just to spend so much time on the front porch. That's what I call it. That little front porch piece of your sermon. I'm ready to get into, I'm ready to get at the dinner table, right? I mean, let's start eating this stuff um, and having some fun doing it. And so I'll take my outline through scripture and then I'll always end with the conclusion. The conclusion to me is always the gospel. So for me personally, I'm highly convicted that every sermon needs to end with an opportunity as somebody to for somebody to have the opportunity to come to know Jesus. And so every sermon I preach, no matter what I preached on, I'm going to weave it back to the gospel and share the gospel with them each and every time. Then I'm a firm believer that we ought to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so I do that with every sermon uh, while plugging in illustrations or I might throw in a visual, you know, like, the other day I was preaching and I was talking about you just got to you got to keep you got to keep working at it don't let the opposition in front of you I think I was talking about Elijah don't let the opposition in front of you slow you down and and when you hit tough walls you got to keep going and you hit another tough wall off, you got to keep going so I brought out these post hole diggers and I filled this bucket full of dirt and then I put rock halfway down and then dirt on top and I started saying sometimes you dig but then you hit rock Well, when you hit rock, do you throw down the post hole diggers? Or do you keep digging? And sometimes you hit more rock and you get mad because you're hitting rock. And I was was just digging, 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 and you just hear the grinding of the rock. And uh, the point is, the point of the sermon was, sometimes you just got to keep digging. Don't let the enemy be the rocks in your life creep in and say, you hit rock, quit. You hit rock, give up. You hit a depressed moment, give up. You know, you used to be an alcoholic. You ought to quit. You you've already had a divorce. You're not worth nothing. You you know we could go we could we could go on that for days, but maybe you need to keep on digging. So I, I throw illustrations into that all through my sermons, along the way, uh, all ending up with the gospel. And so uh, so those are kind of the my main things when I look at a sermon. I, I my personal time with the Lord. I look at the people I'm preaching to. I stick with the Word of God. I don't make the Word of God say what I want it to say. I just say what it says. I think that's a biblical thing to do. I create a solid outline that's going to fit the audience and fit the sermon series, and I add creative illustrations in the midst of those, sometimes visuals, always some type of illustration, and it all leads to the gospel. My sermons are that simple, man. That's that's kind of the format I stick with. I love it. I love it. There's so much there. Um, the thing that is that, that I, I
1: love about what you said is you mentioned, well, first of all, I'm very interested in preaching announcements because yeah. announcements are an abysmal mess at most churches. And yeah. so, so I know, I know that preaching announcements is an answer to that problem. So can you kind of unpack how you got this kind of practice of preaching announcements? What's the difference between preaching announcements and giving announcements? And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there because that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. So just the other day, our student ministry was doing a dodgeball event and I wanted to talk about it on Sunday morning. Well, so I'm telling our church, Hey church, we need a, you need to know, you need to mark your calendars. If you got a teenager that this Sunday or this next Wednesday is a dodgeball event, but let me help you understand what we're doing at dodgeball. Dodgeball is not a time just for kids to come and throw balls at each other's head. Although that's pretty awesome, right? Like why not do that? But at this dodgeball event, we're challenging our students that 50% of the kids on your team should be unchurched or de-churched. They should be kids that can give their life to Jesus. This event is about the gospel. Now, church, that's the way we ought to live our life. We ought to go every day living our life on mission for the gospel, giving ourselves the opportunity to surround ourselves with people that need to know Jesus, getting them to an environment where we personally share the gospel with them or they're going to hear the gospel. And, and 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 so that's how significant this event is. So you want your teenagers to be there, but that's the way we need to live our lives too. Well, wow. um, and I oh. just preached to you about a dodgeball event for students. So you're thinking, well, golly, I got to go to that event. I mean, I, you know, we just yeah. did a worship night uh, this past Sunday night. We did a worship night, and so when we're talking about it, we're saying, there's moments. Anybody had a rough year in 2020? It, <laughs> Anybody anybody, got some confusing things going on in 2020? Sometimes we need to get in a room, and we need to pause, and we need to get refreshed. And we just need to meet with the Lord, and we just need that, that spirit of God just to breathe into us. That's what this night's about. And let's be honest, church, we all need that in our lives. That's why, that's why church is important in your life. That's why worship nights are of value in your life, so that you can meet with the Lord. So you need to invite everybody you know to be at this night. And I, I'm preaching announcements. Yeah. Um, and I'm not tied into the middle of the sermon. It, the announcement might be a powerful illustration. Sure. And so like this coming Sunday, I'm preaching on, uh, I'm in Hebrews 11 doing a collection of sermons right now. And one, a piece of Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Moses' parents. So not by faith, Moses, but by faith, Moses' parents, and talks about how Moses' parents lived by faith. Well, it really shows the importance of us in our lives as we're raising children to live by faith because these kids are watching. And well, that's why we uh, give you the opportunity in our kids' ministry, not in our preschool. We watch them every hour you're here. But if you come an hour and serve an hour, well, in the midst of that time, uh, we want you to take your your either first through fifth grader, we want you to take them to our kids ministry for one hour, but then we want you the next hour when you come to church to bring those kids with you to church. Why? Why should you be bringing your kids to church and taking your kids to small group? Because they need to see your faith lived out. So don't just ditch your kids and leave them in kids ministry the whole time. Bring them into church with you and let them experience, let them see you lift your hands in worship. Let them, well, that's an announcement we're making this Sunday. Sure. But I'm tying it in as a sermon illustration because it fits what we're doing. Wow. So I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, it, it does. I love it because it's dynamic. It's versatile. It's not just the kind of formulaic. Here's the five announcements or the three or the, mo- or the one important one. And yeah. it's just dodgeball tournament. Everybody tunes it out because they don't, they, don't they don't have a teenager. They don't care. Uh, but it, if if you bring in the vision, because like with the dodgeball example, the information got across, but the information is really secondary to the the that's mini right. sermon that you gave. Yep, right? that's right. And then I would imagine if it's at the top of the sermon, you're gonna tr- you're gonna segue easily from that to the sermon itself, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It all makes it it all makes an easy transition, uh, and sometimes a transition is just let's celebrate church. I mean, this yeah. is what we get the opportunity to do for our community. And by the way, you can tie that into your giving too for all the pastors listening. Sure. It's great giving talks. You know, that's why you give here. You give because lives are being changed. You give because you're seeing people baptized. You give because we're investing in kids. You give because people are being discipled. You, you, that's why you give here. So today, be faithful in your giving. You know, yeah. an announcement is great to preach during the giving talk. Yeah, you know, I'm very interested, before we move past announcements,
1: I I have to ask, because I I know this probably is a tension that you've had to manage. Every church I've ever been in, um, and I think it's probably going to be more pronounced in your church because of how well you do announcements, but every church I've ever been in, there is like a mad dogged fight to get your announcement said from the pulpit by the pastor. And And it's like every ministry is just fighting for that. So how do you manage people who've got, you know, because you've got a large church with a lot going on. How do you manage people who are like, well, I want him to, you know, I want him to say about my thing in kids ministry or somebody's like, I want him to say my thing in, you know, adult small groups or whatever. How do you, how do you determine what gets prime time? We kind of
0: agree with it as a team. Uh, We're a real close staff and I will run by the staff. Here's what I'm saying. Should I say something else? And when you bring the whole team together and let the whole team dream that piece together or at least have input in it, good. there's often one of the team members to say, hey, you can take mine out here because it's not for three weeks and put that one in since it's one week away. And, well, that makes it easy because we got such a great staff that collaborates together. Uh, a big statement for us here is together we, it's part of our vision. And we're really that way as a staff. And so it's not the Brian Mills deal or the, wow, well, Brian Mills wanted in the announcements. It's really what the team and I together thought would be the most strategic for the senior pastor to say. Yeah, uh, it's good. And we really trust, I, I really trust our team, but we trust each other uh, in that conversation. So on Sunday morning, we might delete one and add one. Uh, I bring it up with the staff and, and that's how we look at it. That's excellent. I,
1: I love that. You know, I've, I've heard before, and I'm sure this is a cliche, so you may have heard it, but you can't have buy-in without weigh-in. And I think yeah. sometimes when the team's able to weigh in and they've said their piece or we all agree on it and you've demonstrated that you trust them, then uh, whether it's announcements or any number of things, right? I mean, it could be a hundred different things that people have to agree on or just be fine with and realize that I, I can't make this call, but I'm going to go with it. I think that's really good. So uh, I, so this is really great. So you've, you've got this this whole system that begins with your time with the Lord, your time with the people, outlining, preparing the sermon within the text, illustrations throughout, always landing on the gospel. Let me ask you this. Is it ever difficult to, like, let's say you're, you're preaching on something that isn't a gospel-centric message, right? It, it That you have to kind of force the issue, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, I would imagine over time you've trained yourself how to do this. Do you have any insights for those listening who may, who may don't do that right now, but kind of feel a conviction like they should? How could they go to that place where they're always ending or at least weave, weave, uh, weaving into their message uh, the gospel?
0: I think it's all about the format of the sermon. Um, and if you're following the text, the text is always going to lead towards the gospel. I mean, right? I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, it leads to the gospel. And so if, you, if you're if you sticking with the text, you can always get to the gospel. Uh, that's guaranteed. And so you got to look in the way you've laid out your sermon. Let's say you're preaching on relationships, uh, how to communicate in your marriage, right? Okay, now how in the heck are you going to get that to the gospel? It's a topical sermon. You're probably not just preaching in an exegetical format. You're probably preaching different scriptures throughout. But if you're going to, in the midst of your marriage and you want to have effective communication and you give these effective communication steps, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. But the most important thing for your marriage is what? Is a relationship with Jesus. And it's not for you to have a relationship with Jesus together, but you ought to have an independent relationship with Jesus. That's one of the powers of communication is you need a relationship with Jesus. And I just, I just went there. Yeah, I, I got us to the gospel. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? And uh, I took us to the gospel. And so now I have, you're right, I've trained myself mentally to go there. But every pastor on the planet, if uh, if you look at Sunday morning not as I'm just preaching to my church, but I'm preaching to people that might one day spend an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell, and you know the reality of what would take place if uh, if if you might not give them the opportunity to respond that day. I think it would force you to get yourself to the gospel.
1: And I, I love the, the learning how to take any topic and any, any biblical topic, any sermon, and really understand that what we're talking about is the gospel. It's the yeah. it's the redemptive narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the fact that everything at the end of the day, you can't apply a sermon without the help of the gospel. I mean, you can't do it in your own power. So I I love that. Do you do you do a direct call to action
0: at the end? Like raise a
1: hand, come forward. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, we do a direct call. We give you, you can text in, you can uh, fill out a card, you can come talk to a pastor. As I travel and speak, I kind of just fit the environment. Maybe it's come forward. Maybe it's go back. Every invitation could look really a lot different and depends on the environment. We just always give them a chance to respond. I, I don't want them just to raise a hand and nobody talk to them. Yeah. Uh, so I want to I reach people, but I also want to disciple people real well. And sure. so it's important that we figure out a way to get them to respond so we can disciple them in their faith.
1: That's awesome. That's great. I, I, I love that. I think, I think that could really benefit those listening who may want to make that shift. Uh, and it's a compelling argument to make that shift. So in your ministry leadership preaching, what is a challenge that you've been able to face and overcome and what can we learn from it?
0: So I think one of the greatest challenges along the way, I call myself the freshman pastor because I'm, I'm only a year and five months into this pastor and being a senior pastor. And in the midst of this journey, I've really learned that, man, controlling your time is so important because one, every staff member wants your time. Mm-hmm. They got a dream, they got a vision, and it's really good. And it could change your church and it could make everything way better. And And so they want to talk about it and they want to have a discussion about it and and they want to launch that. And then the next guy comes in and then a church member wants to talk to you. And then somebody has a problem and they want, you know, there's just, everybody wants your time. And so I learned early on, and i really learned this from some of my mentors, but I learned early on that I had to really calendar out my life. And so for me, sermon prep happens in the morning. Uh, my Mondays is a business day. I just declared Monday business day. And uh, that's when we do staff meeting. That's when I look at the budget. That's when we figure out how much was given from Sunday. That's how I look at the numbers. I mean, it's all business. From Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning until noon is almost 100% of my time is given towards study. And then sometimes in the afternoons is given towards study. But almost all those mornings are given towards study. And then all those days at lunch are given to different people, new church people. Uh, people joining our church. So I try to have lunch with different people every single day. And I, I don't want all my receipts to have the same name on them, right? <laughs> uh, if I, you're looking at my receipts, it shouldn't say every week you got the same people on the receipt. You're not getting to know your community. Uh, but then I got things I do in the community as well. Uh, these different events I go to and and things I'm a part of in a big way. I'm I'm huge on Uh, how we'd say in Arkansas, like the good old redneck. Well, you guys in East Tennessee would probably understand this well, but if you ain't amongst them, you ain't reaching them, right? That's just a good redneck version to say, right? If You don't get out of your office and you get to know people, then people aren't going to get to know you and they're probably not going to come to your church. So if you ain't amongst them, you ain't reaching them, right? That's just good old redneck version, but but I live by that principle and so I put that that in my schedule and then I'm pretty militant to it. Um, that's how I can run so fast, which people would, you know, the myth about Brian Mills and his team is they run stupid hard. They're all going to burn out in the next few months. You know, that's what everybody says about us. But quite honestly, if you were on staff here, you'd be like, you are just, you're organized. and They know me, nor any of my team ever miss any time with our kids, any time with our families. We push each other to our families, we push each other to our kids, and so we don't give up. We don't give up that time because we're so structured with our time, and so that's been a challenge, but a challenge accepted, and a a challenge that we're going to defeat. And we're by basically organizing our life in a very strategic way. Using the calendar app changes everything, right? Using a to do list fixes everything. I mean, it's just, it's who was that Franklin Covey back in the day with the Franklin Covey day planners? Mm -hmm. We just still live by that just digitally today.
1: Yeah, you know, that you're, it's so wise to manage your time and your calendar well because for one thing, I mean, as you know, time is the one thing you cannot reproduce. You can make Mm -hmm. more money. You cannot make more time. And I, you know, I love the Andy Stanley quote when it comes to family. He says, don't give up something that's unique to you for something someone else will do. That's right. Someone else is eventually going to be the pastor at Trinity, but no one else can be your kid's dads. Yeah, Um, that's right. And so, you know, I, I have to remember that. I think everybody listening has that tension because all of us want to be top performers. We, we want to oh. show people that we're bringing it, that we're not wasting the church's funds, you yeah. know, like we're, we're bringing it. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, we, we have to manage that time well. So we do have time for our families
0: for sure. And your staffs can look out with, for each other. Um, you know, there might be a time I have to say to a staff member, you, you ought to go to that or don't give that up with your wife or with your kids to do this. Take that time off. And our staff will do that with me. I mean, you need a you need to go. We'll, we'll take that for you so you can go with your kids. You got to look out for each other. That's why yeah. you got to build a team you want to do life with because you'll look out for each other when you enjoyed working with each other.
1: Well, and I, and I think as the senior pastor with you setting that culture, it makes it possible. Mm-hmm. I think the, the difficulty is when the, the lead pastor doesn't have that philosophy or it leads from a place of insecurity where there's, there's a lot of fear where they don't want, anyone to think that we're not pushing 70 hours a week uh, can be very difficult for the rest of the people on staff. And so I think it's great that you have that philosophy of we're going to work really hard and we're going to really push and we got a big vision, but we're going to be balanced at the same time.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of truth in that. That's who we are.
1: I love that. Well, Brian, this has been awesome. Uh, I've really enjoyed this. I think it's going to really benefit those who are listening. Um, For those listening who want to get in touch with you, we, You're at Brian Mills 247, I'm guessing, on all of the socials.
0: Anything Uh, social, Brian Mills 247.
1: Cool. And uh, man, I I know that people are going to want to check out your sermons and look into what you have. And I really appreciate the
0: time. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we are done today? No, man, you can follow our church at Trinity Church OK. Just it's TrinityChurchOK.com or at Church OK on any social as well. And That's where all of our sermons are and everything is.
1: Great, great. Brian Mills, thanks so much for being on today.
0: Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Really grateful. So there you have it. There's the interview with Brian Mills. Lots of awesome insights in that interview that I know you're going to think about and ponder for a long time, and so will I. A couple things I want to mention. One, I love the approach of announcements because what I've seen is that you can either throw the announcements kind of as a throwaway at the beginning of the sermon Or somebody gets up and does them and nobody listens. But the the approach he's taken is to just fully lean into them and treat them like they're part of the sermon. And like he says, preach the announcements, which I love. I love the vision behind that. And I love how it communicates that what we do, everything we do has purpose that goes well beyond just an event. I love that. I also think there's so much to be said about sharing the gospel in every message. One of my favorite books on preaching is called Christ-Centered Preaching. And that's the whole point of that book is that you want to have a gospel focus in every sermon so that people are continually seeing. By the way, not just people who are not Christians yet who need to become Christians as a result of the sermon. But people who already know Jesus also need to see the redemptive, and I think Brian would agree, they also need to see the redemptive work of the gospel in every aspect of life. So when you do that 52 weeks out of the year where every sermon is pointing back to Jesus and his redemptive work of saving us and reconciling us to the Father, that's an amazing thing to constantly revisit so that people connect the dots. Because even followers of Christ forget the implications of the gospel. So I think that's a huge, huge thing that we can learn from as preachers is to always look for ways and always just be intentional. Like Brian says, he never misses on that. And he gives people an opportunity to respond. So I was encouraged by that, I hope you were. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, what did you think about the interview? What was your favorite part? that Brian shared, definitely let me know in the comments. If you're watching on, if you're listening on one of the podcast players, you can email me lane at preachingdonkey.com. I'd love for you uh, to do that. I'd love to chat with you about the episode there. Definitely check out Trinity church and Brian's sermons there. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, can't wait to see you in the next one. And remember that God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the preaching donkey podcast.